Welcome to the Managing Violence Podcast, where we talk all things self-defense, violence prevention, and aggression management. My name is Joe Saunders. I'm your host. Let's go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Joe Saunders here. Thank you so much for joining us for Season 2, Episode 2. I apologize for the delay. Uh, as uh, those of you who follow us on Facebook will have no, uh, will have seen, uh, we had some technical issues in that uh, my laptop outright died uh, and I had to wait a little bit of time to uh, to pick up a new system and get it all set up so that I could edit this show and, and get it up and running. So uh, because of that, uh, if you're listening to this uh, as it comes out, there will be two episodes dropping this weekend. Uh, which is uh, just my way of trying to make it up to those of you who were hanging out for a new episode after after season one, episode one. Sorry, season two, episode one dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, without further ado, we have Matt State uh, today. Matt is uh, a UK martial arts instructor. He's got uh, a fantastic story uh, coming from a, a bullied kid with asthma through to a uh, champion martial artist, a bouncer, a bodyguard, and now a, an accomplished author. Uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to talk to and uh, we share some good banter and uh, some common experience. So now I do just want to make a note that uh, we did have some connection issues early on in the recording. So uh, please bear with us through those. Uh, we do manage to clean that up as we go. So uh, look, the, the first uh, uh, look, the first 10 to 15 minutes or so can be a little bit scratchy, but uh, stick with it and it gets better. So let's get into it with Matt State. All right, welcome. To the show, Matt. Thank you very much for for joining me here on the Managing Months podcast for season two. It's a uh, it's an interview we started lining up at the end of season one, and we uh, we hope to get it done. And uh, here we are. We've managed to manage to get you in as one of the one of the first couple of guests for for season two. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got you on board. Yes, I've look, been looking forward to it, my friend. Excellent, excellent. Now, Matt, you've got a uh, you've got a very, very interesting story, and and I think this is what. Uh, what made you stand out as a potential guest when uh, when I was going through the possibilities for this season? Um, not just a martial artist, not just a, a person who's written books on martial arts and not just a bouncer or a doorman and not just a bodyguard and not just a kid who dealt with bullying, but but all of those things and more. So um, you, you're not uh, you're not as high profile as, as some of the guests that I've had on or some of the guests that are coming this season, uh, which is great because it gives me an opportunity to... Uh, to really uh, share with the listeners a story they may not have heard before. So, but uh, the floor is yours. I'd, l- I'd love to hear about your childhood and how you got, how you got into this uh, crazy world of learning how to manage violence. Um, well, uh, <laughs> it's it's quite a long sort of convoluted story, but I'll sort of uh, give you some of the highlights. Um, as a as a child, I went through. Um, a divorce with my parents which which led to a number of different moves to different areas which led to uh, always you know being the new kid in a new school which created a lot of bullying which created a lot of uh, problems trying to sort of fit in make friends you know um, uh, get involved with his social groups and so so that was always difficult as an outsider but then couple that with the unfortunate situation in my home life which also included a lot of uh, physical violence uh, it meant that as a kid I had quite a lot of um, quite a lot of violence thrust upon me and in my late teens I was actually diagnosed with PTSD because of that Uh, but what that actually did it's a double-edged sword because as much as that was uh, a difficult sort of way to go through your childhood on the other side of the coin what it actually did is it gave me uh, a, a great set of tools to actually understand uh, violence and be able to uh, manipulate that to uh, to work within the the remits of what I ended up doing. So when when you talk about martial arts, there's um, there's a whole lot of martial artists out there that, and, and I'm going to speak frankly just because of the conversation that we're having, where um, you've got a lot of martial artists out there that are that are pretending violence as opposed to trying to understand violence. So they make the violence fit their view of what violence should be, not they change their view to fit what violence actually is. And so obviously coming from a place where real violence was you know uh, thrust upon me for many many years and i had no say in that and i just had to learn to deal with that uh, that was actually quite a blessing in the sense that when it when it came to actually dealing with real violence i wasn't stepping from this place of um of not having any knowledge on it i wasn't coming from a place of i practice one thing but it's another i actually found that all of those years of going through that had actually given me a very good education and grounding in what real violence is 
what real violence does to the mind and the body and how um you know how to manipulate that both in myself and in other people so it actually gave me some really good skills moving forward yeah absolutely and and uh look you and i have uh, exchanged comments on facebook a, a little bit over the, over the last few months about around that subject and uh it's it's always interesting. I don't I don't mind throwing the cat amongst the pigeons um, and upsetting martial artists and uh, especially those that have never been in a real fight that uh, that teach people how to fight. Uh, and uh, look, uh, there, there's a lot of people that mean very well and and probably teach good product. But uh, my concern is if you haven't actually been around violence and you're just trusting that the person you learned from is teaching you the right thing. I mean, how how good is your filter? How how well are you able to distinguish? Uh, good information from poor information if you haven't got a, a grounding in the, in the subject matter. So I think the, I think there are ways around it, but uh, the best material I've ever come across has come from people that have lived it. And and yeah, I sort of I wholeheartedly agree with with that. Obviously, there are some caveats because I don't think, um, as people rightly pointed out, you know, I don't think you have to be. Um, you know, sort of have to go through certain things. You don't have to be hit by a car to know how to, um, you know, fix uh, the, the medical issues regarding being involved in a car accident, as an example. However, when you're talking about, um, especially the mental aspects of violence, the psychological aspects of violence, the, all the things that really matter, because the physical is just the superficial, the physical yeah. is the easy bit. Um, you know, so all of that, I think, yes, I think that has to come from a place of knowledge because people that are just, um, spouting second, third-hand information, parrot fashion, uh, really don't understand the nuances of the, of what's being discussed, and and that then can create a lot of problems because when people actually find that they need these skills, they're misunderstanding what those skills actually are, and that that again that that brings us back to where I said actually um, that I that I'd actually got a lot of good information from my time going through that as as a younger person because I learned a lot of the psychological aspects of that before I'd even hit my teens, you know, um, and I'd learned what fear does and how fear affects people and, and how to deal with that, how not to deal with that. I'd actually confronted a lot of those things before I'd even um, started martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're saying is correct. It's not so much about the physical techniques. I mean, anyone can learn the, the physical techniques and, and parrot them well enough and teach them well enough as, a, as any other physical movement. But it's the ability to know what to do with that stress and that adrenaline and that fear and the emotion and the, you know, the, the complete dissolution of your own sense of self when you don't act the way you think you will act. Uh, all all yep. that, that 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 terror and that real realization that you're actually human and that you might actually be not quite as brave as you thought you were. Uh, no, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, that's very yeah. hard to deal with, especially when you've uh, you've spent your whole uh, you've spent ten years of your life fantasizing about the time the, the bully's going to kick sand in your face, and then you realize the bully's actually really big and he's still really scary. <laughs> and, uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I, 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 I um. I always say that there are actually three fights to any fight, and that's something that I um, I stress quite highly in my own training for people because um, one without the other isn't isn't a complete whole, and so you'll get you'll get guys that will teach just the physical aspect, but they have no understanding of the legalities of what they're teaching. So as an example, you'll get guys that are teaching chokes and arm breaks and gouge their eye out and all things yeah. like that. But then what they're not telling people is that, you know, if you, if you suddenly rise to that level of violence and it's not completely necessary under the circumstances, then, you know, you're going to find yourself in prison, in jail. You're going to find yourself losing your livelihood and your family. You know, the, the repercussions of that are, are, are immense. Um, yeah. And then you've got the other side of it, which is you've got your, you know, your psychological fight, which is the first fight, then the physical, then the legal. And the first fight is obviously, you know, really, really important because if you haven't got the right mindset and the right capability to understand what you're doing and and, and actually propel yourself to do so, because punching somebody in the face is much harder than most people realize. You know, when you're in a comfortable setting with friends in your specific outfit in your specific place hitting focus pads and things like that then it's, it's very easy to rationalize uh, but when you have to instigate violence against somebody who's really going to hurt you if you get it wrong uh, and there's a there's a there's a consequence straight away to that action that's a completely different frame of mind that's a completely di different set of thinking skills absolutely and uh and then you are thinking about well what has led up to this am i justified am i not justified what's the outcome and and what's the long-term repercussions of this if assuming that you're of sound mind when you when you make that decision but uh there's a lot that goes into that and i i know we'll touch on this as you know we have a shared background working in uh, working in nightclubs and you know you'd like to think most of the time that you 
going hands on with someone, you're in a calm state of mind. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that decision about what what do we do with this particular situation and what's my next six months or twelve months or five years going to look like if I uh, take this too far. So oh yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was going to say that there has to be an understanding that you can't you can't worry about the next fight until you've got through the fight that you're already in. So as an example of that, um, there's no point in worrying about the legal consequences if by worrying about those, you're going to end up getting kicked silly and end up in a coma. Um, yeah. And there's no point in worrying about the physical side of the fight if you haven't actually got the psychological tools to mentally put yourself in a position where you can use those. And so you have to take each fight as a separate entity and deal with that first. Um, but you have to. But if you're teaching it, if you're in any way, um, you know, trying to give others advice on this particular subject, then we need to take all three fights as part of the whole. That's that's really where I'm coming from on that. But you can't let one. Um, you can't let one take more importance than the other before the other fight is won. If that, if, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely. So, so just backtracking to your story a little bit. How, how did the progression go? I mean, obviously you're. you're kid that was dealing with the violence on multiple fronts um how did you end up in martial arts how did that happen well i um i started touching on it as a as a kid i mean i like a lot of people i um i saw the old sort of kung fu series on the television and bruce lee and things like that and, and fell in love with the whole idea of uh, of having these magical superpowers that were actually achievable um and as a kid, seeing that, especially given the the life I was leading, it seemed like a way out. It seemed like a uh, a way that I could, you know, defend myself against all of these all of these things going on. And and so that was the initial attraction, the idea of being this you know superhero that could uh, fight off twenty bad guys. Obviously, we all know the reality of that now, but back then that was the uh, that was the belief and the assumption. And so um, and so I tested out a few little things. I went to a few things. It was pretty hit and miss. I do talk about this in, in you know in some of the books. And and eventually I I, I managed to find a place that there were through more luck than judgment. I mean I, I I didn't understand the the quality that I'd stumbled across, but I found a um, a good good karate gym which was Wadaru Karate at the time, run by uh, a couple of guys who were extremely knowledgeable who are who are extremely knowledgeable and they were gracious enough to uh, sort of accept me and i literally um learned the foundations of everything going forward from that and it wasn't just learning the martial arts at that point i mean that's something again i really really stress is that at the time as a young man i'd, I'd lost my father to suicide he you know he committed suicide i didn't have any role models i'd, I'd gone through all of this um, family history where I didn't really understand, um, you know, how things should work. And, and so I, I, I was I was lost in a lot of ways. And martial arts gave me um, positivity. It gave me um, a reason to sort of uh, keep keep plodding on at something. It, it taught me self-discipline, uh, made a lot of friends. Um, it, it created in me a need to learn, you know, new things. So it gave me way, way more than just punching somebody in the face. I mean, that's the... Um, that's the thing that people jump to when they talk about martial arts and they instantly think it's a physical skill that you're getting. It, it wasn't at that time I was getting, I, I was being taught how to be a, a decent human being basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's, that's one of the elements of martial arts that we can, we can never, uh, you know, uh, parent, parents ask me all the time, what's the best martial art for Billy because he's getting picked on at school and, and to be honest, it's it's whatever he's going to enjoy. Um, there's there's some that are better physically than others, but at the end of the day, if the kid picks up a hobby that they enjoy, that gets them social, that gives them confidence, that improves their fitness and coordination, the bullying can sometimes just resolve itself based on that. Um, it's it, it, it's no point in me saying, well, he has to go do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's more realistic than Taekwondo if Billy loves doing Taekwondo. And if, if he if he's gonna love doing jumping spinning kicks and that's what gives him a sense of confidence and his friends are gonna think it's cool, then yeah, by all means go go do that. Uh, as opposed <laughs> we're not trying to make him uh, the most combat effective kid in the world. <laughs> he doesn't have to be. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. no, a little bit more right. confident in how he handles himself. And mm. uh, so yeah, I uh, I think the the value of martial arts is so much more than the physical techniques and uh, mm. yeah, especially for yeah. For a young man like yourself who who needed that little bit of extra guidance and uh, a bit of a bit of a positive structure, um, so so moving on from that, you you, know, you end up uh, you end up devoting a good chunk of your life to martial arts, and and then you end up uh, deciding 
and become a nightclub doorman. How, I mean, obviously, all this is in your in your first book, but uh, how how does that decision go in your head? Does it, do you have any reservations about getting back into a world of violence, or is it uh, a fairly logical progression for you? Um, well, it was again, it was a um, a series of events. I mean, all these things are, aren't they? It's it's, it's kind mm. of strange how the world sort of plays out. It doesn't, um, you know, your world doesn't suddenly flip on its head overnight. It's a series of incremental sort of changes that lead you down this pathway. And um, uh, I know I've been doing um, the martial arts. I've been doing uh, various forms of martial arts. I've been doing well in competition. I've been um, experimenting a little bit with different types of things. So uh, by this stage, you know, I'm young, I'm fit, I'm very strong, I'm very, I feel very capable capable um but i'm also aware of the limitations with regards to the competition style fighting isn't actually fighting and um and and also that 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 just need especially as a young man that little ego thing whatever it is you know can i actually do what i think i can do and um and i always say to people it's a bit like it's a bit like having a bright red sports car that can do like 200 miles an hour but you're just not allowed to do 200 miles an hour you're always left sort of wondering yeah. And so, uh, so I'm not suggesting that I'm a bright red sports car, but what I am saying is, you know, <laughs> being young, being fit, being capable, uh, you know, winning competitions and, and feeling like I, you know, I, I was uh, pretty okay with that. I wanted to test the boundaries of what I thought I knew. And that leaves you then with a couple of choices, doesn't it? And, uh, and so it was a case of, well, you know, do I want to basically go out and pick fights in the street and you know my father did an uh did some of that in his day you know he liked to drink and he was known for being a bit of a street fighter and stuff he was a big guy um and so did i want to take that route and then i sort of i thought about that and i thought about the martial arts training that i'd done so far and that was a you know that was a pretty quick no because that that went against everything that you know, we was trying to get from the martial arts. So, so going out and causing people injury was, was not the answer. So it was okay. Right. So we'll scrap that. And then you like competition. Well, I do the competition anyway. And, uh, but, but none of the competition is giving me um, exactly what I need because it's all faked and staged. Now I'm not suggesting that it's faked and staged as in it's not real because it's real. Of course it is. And the skills that these guys have, I mean, you take a top level tie fighter or MMA fighter or BJJ guy, they have got some top, top level skills and they are awesome in their field, but that's not the outside arena. And those skills don't always transition across, or if they do, they need to be um, modified a little bit to do so. Um, and again, sometimes I get into trouble by saying these things, but I've seen it firsthand. You know, I've, I've been on the doors many, many years, and I've seen a very high level martial artists come very, very unstuck quite quickly. So, um, so I've seen that myself. Um, and so, so there was that side of it, the competition side, which I then said, okay, right. So, you know, perhaps that's not the way forward. And then that really only did leave the doors uh, in the sense that, you know, I had a reason to do it. I had a um, a good reason to do it. I.e., I was being paid for the privilege, but also I was actually, you know, tasked with looking after the club and the safety of the people within it, so on and so forth. And so I had a reason, which was, you know, saving the good guys from the bad guys kind of thing. Um, and so that gave me that, if you like, moral justification. Um, but then on top of that, it soon became a very, very interesting um, social experiment and physical experiment because I found out very quickly that all those years that had gone by had actually given me an edge with regards to conflict management, with regards to dealing with violence, you know, because a lot of people just end up falling apart at the very smell of it because when it gets real like that, most people aren't used to it. And so, um, and so I found that I actually had a really, um, I, I was good at it. I had a natural talent for it. And that was, that was interesting because I don't just mean like the physical skills. I mean, I had a natural talent for handling violent, difficult people. Um, and that was, that was, that was quite an interesting thing. And, and again, quite seductive, you know, you know yourself having done door work, it is a seductive lifestyle that you can sort of fall into. Um, and so I did, I, I ended up becoming immersed in that for a few years. Yeah, it's, it certainly can be. And uh, yeah, I've made the comment before that, you, you tend to live for that one percent of your shift where everything turns to hell. You know, it's the it's not ninety nine percent thinking about how sore your feet are and how cold it is, and one percent running to wherever the action's happening, and, and and then the rest of the time you're sort of coming down off that high and then waiting for the next one. And uh, when, when you go nights on end without one of those, is you start to question why you're doing the job still. Um, that uh, yeah, it's, uh, what you say is correct with the the managing conflict. Uh, uh, it became a game for me. I uh, you know similar to you, I got in to see whether my martial arts actually worked. And and to be honest, part of the motivation for me was 
uh, I, I hadn't grown up in, in violence, and, but I'd grown up training for it. And uh, I wasn't really sure how I'd deal with it. I wasn't, you know, it scared me a little bit. And that was probably a good motivation to go and do it because I thought anything that scares me that much is probably worth exploring. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I made the comment uh, in the show last season that uh, my first shift I signed on at 7 p.m. and I was in my first fight at five minutes past seven. So, <laughs> well, welcome to reality. But yes, uh, yeah. It, it did become a game for me because I, I started to, oh, how, how well can I psychologically manipulate this situation to, to make him think it was his idea to leave or to, to, uh, to game my way out of this particular situation and make them think that they won. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that became a whole new martial art for me. And uh, it's something I've started talking about this year is uh, communication as a martial art and, and how we use that to uh, you know, strategically achieve our ends and both parties think that they won, but you know that you controlled the situation. So moving on from that, uh, so you, you spent a bit of time on the doors, and uh, then you started. So, so at what point did you start teaching martial arts? Was this concurrently while you're working the doors, or did you transition, or how did that work? Uh, no, it's sort of um, again, it was a sort of organic um, growth kind of thing. I mean, when we're when we were talking about the doors, just to touch back on that, I mean, I think you're absolutely right with the sense that that should be almost a standalone martial art because learning how to how to trigger, manipulate, and 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 um, get people to do what it is you want them to do using nothing but their subconscious mind um, is is a is is a is a very very deep art form in itself, and um, and that's something that you know the more the better you become at that. Um, the easier it is to deal with everything else because you don't have to go around sort of smacking people around then. And also you don't have to get into a, an argument about it because they actually think they've, you know, they've won from that, from that argument or they've won from that position. Uh, but in actual fact, they haven't, and they've been manipulated into making a decision they didn't even realize they've done. And that's great. You know, and that's a very deep, um, an interesting sort of sideline to um, to door work and security work. In fact, anything where that kind of uh, stuff is required. So, um, but then moving from that, um, I've been I've been training for a while and, and doing various things and, and and long story short, as with a lot of clubs, you get asked um, as you progress through the rankings, um, you get asked to help out with classes, you get asked to maybe take a class now and again, and then before you know what's going on, you're as an assistant instructor, and then you're taking your own classes, and and then it moves on from there. So I did my first. Um, I was uh, billed as an assistant instructor. It was either 94 or 96. It was quite a long time ago. I can't remember exactly, but it was one of those, 94 or 96. Uh, and that was where I first started um, as a as a recognized instructor. Yeah, wow. So uh, in what style were you teaching then? Uh, that was in karate and kickboxing because um, I was sort of at that time I was uh, I was messing about with a few different styles trying to find what suited me and I and I was I was in that unfortunate world where some people get where I'd been um, training and competing in karate to a reasonably high level but then I was getting penalised for striking too hard um, but then when I was training in full contact kickboxing I was finding that pulling the punches and hitting for points was actually kind of productive as well so. Um, it was in that middle ground where I had to decide which 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 way I was going to jump. So I was um, I, I was in that uh, that time where I'd been uh, I'd been conditioned to strike for a points format, which means you pull your punches. You don't actually punch through the target. And so the idea with that is that you know it's quick, it's very very fa very fast maneuvering, um, but there's no real impact to the strike. And then when you get into full contact stuff, obviously the range is different, the time is slightly different, and and the way you um, deliver the strike is different. And so I found that I was getting penalised in both camps because muscle memory was was playing havoc with with both sides. And I and I, I found I couldn't keep a foot in both worlds. So um, yeah, so it was during that time where I had to make a decision as to which way I was going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it, it is a problem. And uh, it's why I was, just this morning, I was talking to Ellis uh, Amdo from the US and, and he was talking about uh, studying multiple very traditional systems, ancient systems at the same time. And the struggle he went through to try and keep both pure rising the, the, the two and, uh, and doing a hybrid at the same time doing neither. So uh, yeah, it, it is a challenge. I mean, for those of us, all of us that, that cross train uh have to make a decision about whether we want to have our own unique personal blend or if we want to honor the two uh the two unique bodies 
Yeah, well, well, it. Um, I mean, in all honesty, for me, it became an. It actually turned out to be a very easy answer for me, and I. Uh, and I don't say this to dismiss any style or system or anything, because I don't. Because uh, just because I couldn't make it work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work. I'm aware that I'm not actually that good in the grand scheme of things, and there are people far better. Uh, but for me, the decision was simple, it, and it went along the lines of, well. If I'm working in security, if I'm working on the doors, if I'm working in a situation where there's a very real consequence to messing it up, I need to have the most effective skills. And, and that yes. was it was that simple. And so basically, I, I at that point, I started getting rid of the, the stuff I didn't need and focusing far more on finding the things that were going to be effective for me and my shape and my size and the role that I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having that filter of uh, the, the immediate consequence of uh, choosing the wrong system or the wrong techniques or the wrong training, uh, yeah, it, it does clarify things quite easily. If, you, if you're not training just for a recreational pursuit or not just for a, you know, an academic or, a, um, I guess, a, a cultural endeavour, uh, you, it becomes quite simple about what, what works best for me and what, what am I going to use my limited training time on. Um, so I think that's, uh, yeah, so it certainly makes it easier if that's your, if that's your priority. Yes, yes. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a very instant barometer. I mean, again, I don't, I, I, I try not to uh, be negative about things, but sometimes it's um, it can't be helped. Given the uh, the martial arts world as a whole, there are quite a lot of fraudulent people out there claiming things are real when they're not. Stuff like that. I mean, we don't need to go into that. Just YouTube it. There's plenty about. Um, yeah. But suffice suffice to say, instead of spending you know a number of years following a a guru or a master that, that says, oh, one day you'll understand, you're just not ready yet. Uh, instead of that, what you actually got was a very real, um, you know, a very real uh, message back as to whether or not that worked. And if it didn't work, well, then you suffered the consequences and didn't do it again. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think the, the history of the martial arts, not, not every system was designed to make your combat effective in six weeks. It was, yeah, there was a, it was a long training process from the time you know, someone was born into a warrior family and they commenced training at six or seven years of age and by the time they were 16 or 17 they were they were ready for the battlefield and, and that you can train someone for a decade before they have to really be able to to do it for real uh whereas it, you know most people start martial arts and expect to or ha have the desire to be safer immediately so, oh yeah absolutely yeah and and i think i, th I think that, that that it's not just that, that that's the issue as in some things do take long time to learn nobody you know again that's not denying that but i also think a lot of the issue is is the fact that the society where we live in is a now generation and you can't train once a week at a very low level and spend the other six days eating cheeseburgers and sitting on your backside and expect to be a killing machine it's you know it's not going to happen and so um and so a lot of these the martial arts they they're it's not that they're not useful because that's quite the opposite they you know they've survived thousands of years by being useful um i think it's more a case of how we uh, how we apply ourselves to that training and in, and for the majority people aren't willing to go through the mill to actually forge themselves into uh you know into what could be achieved through that particular martial art i would suggest that that's more the problem than the art itself yeah I, I have a chuckle every now and then. I'll uh, I'll, I'll see a, a thread in a say a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu forum or subreddit, and someone will say, "Oh, this so and so got his black belt in three and a half years or four years. He can't possibly be legit." Uh, but if someone had, if someone had got their black belt in uh, in eight or ten years, training three to four days a week for an hour and a half each session, no one would question it. But someone who trains for four years and trains two or three sessions a day, <laughs> six days a week. <laughs> Is doing you know one and a half to two times as many training hours, and and it gets called into question that he got his black belt quicker. So mm. it's 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 funny. It's, as you say, it's what you put into it. If you if you're going to train like a maniac, and you're going to you know, have a strength and conditioning routine, and you're going to follow a diet, and you're going to study film, and you're going to read books, and you're going to you know live it, of course you're going to progress. It's same as same as any physical or, or human endeavor. The more time you put into it, the more you obsess over it, the faster you'll progress in it. So. Uh, and, I, and I think that's why sometimes uh, in this reality-based self-defense world, if, we, if we're still using that term, uh, those of us that, that have come from door work or you know, some, some elements of policing or uh, even uh, crisis intervention or, or in mental health and whatever, that tend to um, have a more uh, so well-rounded understanding because for most of us it was our life for at least a period of it. And, uh, 
you, you have to you have to immerse yourself in it or else the consequences are severe yes yes absolutely yes and it's um again that's the that's the barometer where you're testing these things under and so it's it's very hard to to be deceived because it's an instant feedback isn't it yeah absolutely and and it can be it can be fatal feedback to be to be brutally honest i mean um the first time i realized that uh putting a bit of ego in my voice uh, might have got me followed home by some people that uh you know, certainly had the connections to uh, to to change my life. <laughs> if they had, if they hadn't got bored halfway home, uh, that made me question how I deal with people. Mm, <laughs> especially because I was a nineteen-year-old kid and I was still living with my parents, and I was about to bring some bikies home with me. Um, that, yeah, that was certainly a, a, an eye-opener for me. But um, so so uh, you, you now run a martial arts academy. I, I'm. Just curious, unpacking what we've talked about there, what do you find most of your students are looking for when they, when they come and you know, bring the flyer in or, uh, or, or come in for a, for a welcome? What, what are most of them looking for from you? Uh, well, again, that's sort of quite interesting because um, I've moved areas uh, a few years ago and that has had a, uh, a, a consequence to my style of teaching and what I actually teach. So what I mean by that is uh, up until a few years ago, I lived in um, a urban large city in the UK that has quite a substantial amount of crime. It's got quite a lot of um, challenging issues within it. Um, uh, like a lot of big cities, it's very much segregated by wealth and social standing. So, I mean, if you're um, if you're in a position where you have a lot of money, you can be behind your big walls and your big gates and live in your uh, posh area. Whereas if you unfortunately don't have that, then you are, you know, penned in like um, like cattle and and everyone just ends up in the in this world where crime is rife um drugs is rife you know violence is rife in fact violence is the commodity how most people get through the day um and so in that world in that environment people were looking to me for real um you know for real skills effective skills and they would they would put themselves through the difficult training for that because they face that challenge every day whereas now i actually live in a small rural town that um that has a very very low crime rate um there's a lot less of that sort of thing going on so now we're back in the realms of um it's more a hobbyist kind of thing the majority of people live in a bubble where it's hey it won't happen to me now we all know that you know bad things happen to good people all the time um, but they, because they're in that bubble and they don't have to deal with it daily, they don't want that kind of difficult training. They don't want to address the, the very difficult psychological aspects of it. So there's, um, so my, so my gym is a kind of mixture of, um, of what you would call sort of traditional sporting kickboxing stand-up striking kind of martial arts where we teach a lot of good life skills and things and the kids get some skills um but then we've got layers so you've got the guys that want to do sport you've got the guys that want to um just do fitness and you know and just tell the mates at the office they do a bit of martial arts and then you've got another tier of the guys that actually want to learn it in depth and actually want to you know ingrain those skills into them and so it's it's a bit of a tiered system i suspect most gyms are like that truth be told yeah, I think that even in the bad areas, you'll still find those that are that are naive and would, would be just as home, just as at home doing a uh, you know, Pilates kickboxing hybrid versus uh, versus actually training for violence. So it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I do um, I do I do a number of online things now as well. So I've got some online courses out and things like that. And that, and that's the and I do a lot of the seminars. I, I've just recently done a few of the bigger ones in the UK now over the past few weeks. And um, and so I touch base with a lot of people around the country that are more inclined to my way of looking at things because um, because there's there is a a need for that and necessity for that. And there are people that actually want to um, to source that information. And so you know so even though um, they aren't necessarily on my doorstep from a from a wider community, there are there are people that that come to me and sort of um, and, and listen to what I have to say, uh, although they may not physically be in my gym. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's uh, it, it's a positive, and I think with the uh, our very interconnected world now, it's it's very easy to uh, to find other people that that uh, are on the same path as you and to be able to collaborate. And uh, well, yeah, this podcast is a perfect example of the, of that. I mean, ten years would have been very very hard for me to be able to connect with with everybody who's anybody in in uh, 
in this side of the industry. And, and now it's a matter of just adding them on Facebook and sending them a message and you know, seeing if they're willing to talk to me. So it's uh, it's certainly uh, certainly beneficial in that regard. And, and just the ability to distribute the information and distribute the findings is is fantastic now. You don't have to have a marketing budget to get into to get into Black Belt magazine and buy a full page ad to be able to buy to be able to buy the the, the right to, to write an article and hope that somebody reads it and finds your school. Uh, you can you know you can now get the word out there quite quite easily. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say you're absolutely right. I mean, there's uh, the the wonders of social media and the internet and the things that it's done. It's it's been incredible, as you say. The fact that we're the fact that we're chatting now like that is a prime example of that. Is you know, it's not all uh, it's not all pictures of somebody's dinner and cat videos, is it? It's a it's a great uh, it's it's a great way to not only connect with the with the wider martial arts community and other people. It's also a great way to police it as well, because um, again, we're not. Uh, we're, we're, we're moving away now from that world where, where you've got insular groups that are claiming that this is like, you know, too deadly for anyone else um, because that information is now in the public and, and it will get, um, you know, it will get critiqued and it will get brought up on. Um, and I think that's, to be fair, that's that's a good thing for the wider community as a whole, because we're now all we can now access learning so much easier. I mean, literally at a click of a button, I can get experts in almost all martial arts up on up on my screen in front of me and I can actually you know, interact with them um, on a one-to-one -one level in the most cases. So it's a it's a fantastic tool. And for people that are that are sort of my age, uh, I don't think. Uh, for, sorry, for people that aren't my age, for the younger generation, I don't think they realise quite what a fantastic opportunity this time is for them with regards to learning. Oh, absolutely! I, I tell people all the time now that there's no excuse for not knowing something now. I mean, literally, mm. all of humanity's findings of the past. 5,000 years are literally in your pocket. There's, mm. there's anything you want to know about absolutely anything you can find out. It's only a matter of, of how, how good you are at sifting the data that comes back. It's it's crazy, crazy to think about. Um, it's, it is funny that we take it for granted too, like just before we're having connection issues uh, and part, part of me is getting frustrated that I, that I have a, have a, a signal issue at you know, this time of night and, and I take a step back and think, well, actually, I'm, I'm talking to someone who's on the other side of the planet via a satellite that's in space. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pretty phenomenal achievement that that, uh, that I can just whip out my phone and, and have a backup signal ready to go. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's it. That's it. Yeah, we, we forget sometimes, don't we? We do. Um, it, we've, we've normalized it so much now. I think we, we do forget the absolute miracles that are in front of us on a daily basis. Yeah, and look, that ties back into what we're talking about with violence as well. I mean, the the fact that people are are allowed to be naive about violence is is kind of a kind of a strange evolution in in humankind. I mean, we go back what four or five generations. How many of our ancestors do you think never had a scrap? Mm. It's 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 unlikely. Uh, so <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a it's a very very that we've had civilized society. Uh, yeah. Where we haven't had to, where, where you know people don't have, yeah, you know, people have full-blown sympathetic nervous system uh, activations and full-on meltdowns over yeah, traffic. Uh, and you imagine trying to explain that to uh, your ancestor who lived 600 years ago, that yeah. uh, that you the most stressful thing that's happened to you this month is that you were late for a meeting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, or, or, or the fact that there are many, many people in this world uh, pretending violence for self-gratification and titillation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, you know uh, one of my, fa my favourite uh, favorite interviews uh, was um, Matt Fortin uh, being interviewed. I think it, it may be an interview he did with Sam Harris, um, which is certainly worth looking up. But um, Matt basically said, the more you fetishise something is... Uh, basically indicates your level of maturity with a subject. So for uh, for kids and teenagers, they fetishize uh, sex because they're they're not mature with the subject. They don't, they don't really know it. It's a it's a bit of a mystery, and and therefore it becomes this big thing. And uh, we do the same thing with violence. The less exposure we have to it, the more we fetishize it and and make it a yeah. We we end up with groups. Yeah, of uh, of overweight civilians training in camouflage and pretending to be special forces killers, and uh, when anyone who's actually walked the walk, goes, these guys are just plain dress up. 
Um, yeah. Because the, <laughs> the the more familiar you are with something, the less you have to dress it up. You just look at it and go, well, that's that's real or that's not, or yeah, that's got value or that doesn't. Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's uh, again. I suppose it's 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 part of a wider condition, isn't it? I mean, we, we could talk about that all from day long. But I think uh, I, I think it suffice to say that you're right in the sense that anybody that's um, anybody that's got any real knowledge on a, on on this particular subject uh, understands that it's not uh, sexy, it's not romantic, it's not fun, and it sure as shit isn't something that you want to actually try and you know try and court. Um, I mean, anybody that's done it for any length of time actually tries to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and look, it, it, sometimes you have to have your fill first. I mean, I I went actively looking for it for a number of years, and now I have, I have no taste for it whatsoever. Uh, some people, yes. some people do it for a lot longer than I did, and uh, and some people have have their fill after one incident. So I guess it's a personal thing as to as to yeah. when that occurs for you, but uh, yeah. Uh, but as we already talked just, about that, it's the motivation, isn't it? It's the the reasons why. I mean, you're if you talk about, as I said a minute ago, some um, if you talk about a young man growing up in a very urban, impoverished environment, then they learn quite quickly that uh, not only is violence a weapon, but it's a commodity. They can trade with it. They can use it to gain things, whether that be status or physical things. So they understand that. You know, for for you and I, our motivation was more about knowledge. You know, can we put to use what we've learned? You know, the things that we've been practicing. Will they actually work? when we require them to so our motivation was slightly different so the t that would that would change the timelines um and that would change how we you know how we move forward with that absolutely yeah 100 percent agree and i just want to i want to uh cut off before i get um hate mail from anyone who trains in camouflage uh, you're you're all specialists and i know have it all the time of the day for you and i'm more than happy to interview whoever you're uh your master is that dresses in camouflage. That's perfectly fine by me. Um, I'm also, <laughs> I've got look, I've got friends that do uh, historical European martial arts that they dress up in uh, full regalia and look, they they have a great time. And but every single not not a single one of them thinks they're training for a, a long sword duel at the ATM. <laughs> they, they all recognise they're doing it as a hobby because it's fun and they they enjoy the cultural aspects. So if you're Absolutely. doing something that's yeah, if you're doing something for fun and because you enjoy the cultural aspect and you enjoy the camaraderie, then by all means, dress however you like. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually did the full contact medieval night fighting for a little while there. Um, so I actually dressed in full armor, full full actual armor. So not um not the reenactment yeah. armor that's very light and fluffy. Actual physical proper armor that could withstand the blows. And I actually fought in the full contact uh, medieval fighting there with you know broadswords, axes, all that kind of thing. It was huge amounts of fun. They're all mad as hatters. I mean, they're all yeah. proper nutty that do it. But uh, but again, that you know they're not in any way brutal that that's going to give them a skill set for now um you know what they're saying is this is a very brutal dangerous thing that we're doing and we have a great deal of fun with it but we do it as a hobby for pleasure um and so yeah absolutely right and i, I think the same applies with the majority of people um that are that are doing that kind of thing i mean there's the the crossover of skills required are um firstly they're minimal and secondly the the training required to actually ingrain those to be useful uh, is not a level that the vast majority of people are willing or able to go to. Absolutely, man. And look, I'm I'm uh, certainly not standing on any pedestals here. I, I spend the majority of my training time at the moment doing judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I enjoy it. And yeah. I, I've got no illusions that the uh, the two hours a week I, I spend doing grip fighting that is is only relevant to to competitive judo rules <laughs> is uh, yeah. is of any benefit whatsoever really in a in a street altercation but i do it because i i enjoy competing in judo competition and i want to maximize my success um so that's that's no more or less valid than than someone uh swinging a sword at somebody or uh or drinking yeah it's fun that's uh yeah. well, that's totally fine just be honest about your motivations yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's the thing because I do occasionally rub people up the wrong way. I don't do it intentionally, but in the same vein, I have to sort of sometimes prick at pomposity when I see it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, my particular opinion is that that everybody has skills, and all these different things have skills, but it's knowing what that where that skill set ends so um, it's understanding that if you have to wear a specific type of outfit to perform those skills it may not be the right answer you know if you're in jeans and a t-shirt in the street um you know if you practice your art in bare feet that may not be the answer if you're in your heavy work boots or a pair of stilettos on a saturday night out um and so as uh, 
they all have really good skills that can be used and they can be um, you know moved from one environment to another but it's just understanding that they all ha also have limitations and I think that's really the um, that's really the issue with that not that they're not good skills it's just the fact that some people um, struggle to understand that they they all have a limitation to, to, to how they can be applied yeah yeah 100 percent. I, I think that's uh it, look I, I think someone who trains is usually gonna be better off than someone who doesn't train no matter what they train in uh, yeah, provided they're, yep. they're mentally prepared um and i think that's that's the key um uh, i'll just do uh, because we haven't really talked about it a great deal i'd, I'd just like to touch on uh, how you went about writing your first book and what, what sort of motivated you to write your book and if you can give someone give everyone a bit of a bit of a spiel about what it's about and and uh, yeah just tell us the story a little bit hey well the um the first book was called modern samurai uh, a revealing look at the private security industry and that was essentially uh, a a a bunch of stories about my time uh, working on the doors as a bouncer, as a debt collector, uh, as a close protection officer, bodyguard, that sort of thing. Uh, and so it's just a number of stories from that. Now, the um, what basically happened was I, I had this urge to write. And uh, unfortunately, with the education that I had, which was limited at the time, I have, you know, uh, since then, as we've already discussed, tried to educate myself with the information that's available. So, um, so I had this urge to write, and so I, I started writing it. And then I sort of talked myself out of it, and you know, I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. I, I who, who the hell do I think I am that people are going to be interested? You know, all the things that we tell ourselves. Um, and I made the mistake of listening to those voices there for a while. So I put it to one side. I sat on it for a few years. Um, but people kept asking me. I kept getting conversations with people, and, and they and it was two real main things. The first First was people seemed genuinely interested in what what I was doing and how I was doing it, uh, but then also there was the side of it where a lot of people had misconceptions as to what the role involves. You know, so a lot of people will look at a bouncer, a doorman, and they will think idiotic thug that can't get a proper job, um, or somebody that just likes hurting people. When in actual fact, in the majority of cases, that's not the issue. So um, I also wanted to redress the balance a little bit and, 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 and try and present some information that actually said, well, look, you know, these guys are just average people, just like you or I, you know, they, they have a they have a family, they have kids, they're doing it for whatever reason. So, so whether that be paying themselves through university, whether that be, um, you know, topping up their income so that the kids can have a slightly better life, um, whatever the reason is, they're human beings, just like sort of everyone else. And so I wanted to get that across. And there's a, um, there's already enough hard man books out there, and I'm certainly not dismissing those because you know some of those books are very very well written and good. But there's enough story, you know, there's enough books out there of people going, oh, how I beat this guy up, how I beat that guy up, how I done that, and I didn't want it to be another one of those. So. So I do actually say on the cover, although there's violence in the book, because there is, it's part of the job, uh, that's not the thing that I'm focusing on. And I never claim to be a hard man. Yes, I'm 6'2", you know, 17, 18 stone. Um, yes, I have done martial arts for 40 odd years. Yes, I have done this, that and the other. But that doesn't make me a hard man. Um, you know, I have some skills, but that's not the same thing. So uh, so the book really just wanted to reflect all of those sort of things. And then when I um, when I released it, I was just overwhelmed with you know, positive uh, reactions from people. It hit number one in its category twice. Uh, I had an awful lot of people uh, giving me, you know, really good feedback and a lot of people within the industry as well, people that I admired, admired, admired and looked up to, um, you know, were saying, well done, you've, you've, you've really sort of written that well. And that was, you know, that was amazing for somebody, as I said, that came out of school with next to nothing. That was, for me, that was um, quite an achievement um, but not in a sort of self-congratulate kind of way, just in a, just in a, well, look, what else, how else can I push the envelope? How else can I change my world? In what other way can I, um, can I make the universe accept me as a different person? Um, and so that's where that was really interesting because it changed my outlook on how I viewed the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous achievement. I mean, uh, uh, I, I do believe the cliche that everyone has a book in them. It's just a matter of whether we actually sit down, write it, and believe in ourselves enough to get it to fruition. So, uh, the fact that you even even got it out and then got uh, yeah got the praise that you did, and uh, yeah, I'm so, certainly on my wish list. I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down and, and reading it proper. So, uh, yeah, well done on that. So, and you've just released a second book as well. So, uh, so let's let's talk about that one as well. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so this the, the, this one now that's just been released is called uh, My Journey Up the Mountain, The Road to Black Belt. And that's, uh, that's more with regards to my uh, martial arts journey itself, because although I touched on that in the first book, that was more predominantly uh, security related. So uh, so this one talks more about the um, the, the different sort of things that I looked into with martial arts, the reasons why, and I go a little bit more into my history and stuff. Um, and, and again, it was just one of those where I, I found that I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed the process of writing and I'm, I'm still doing now, I'm doing other books as well, even as we speak. So I, I found that um, I actually really enjoy the process of it all. And, um, and, and I find that telling these stories is actually really good for me as well, as in, as in sort of reminding myself, not only, um, you know, sort of where I came from and why I do the things I do, but it also it also brings back that me then, you know, with my new with my students now. So as an example, when I talk about the very first time when I um, stepped into the very first dojo and I met my very first training partner and and the nerves I felt and the fear I felt and the um, the whole craziness of the overwhelm of smelling the smell, seeing the sights, you know, it looked like a movie set. Um, and, and all that feeling that I had, it, it brings it right back to me in the now. And then when I, uh, you know, when I greet a new student at my club, I can I can very easily, you know, draw on that and, and remind myself how, how that person must be feeling or a little bit of how that person's feeling, um, which I hope helps me to, you know, be a better instructor and a better teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh yeah, so certainly good to to reground yourself in those um, those former experiences and remember where you were in your life at that particular point and and where others might be that are, that aren't as far along the journey as you are. That's uh, that's excellent. All right, uh, Matt, we we talked a little bit off- offline just about um, some actionable tips. So, and I, and because of because of your background, I'd I'd like to um, I'd like to ask you two questions. So. The first question is to do more from a, from a managing violence point of view. Um, you, you overcame yeah, uh, a violent childhood, and, and mm-hmm. I know you now teach you teach children as, as well in your in your dojo. Uh, what advice would you have for parents that are trying to help their kids uh, that might be dealing with bullying or um, or some other form of abuse? Do you have any advice you'd give to parents dealing with younger children? Uh, yes, my advice would be, um, well, actually, it, it would be unusual in the sense that it isn't necessarily martial arts related. Um, I would say to them, first and foremost, to just you know accept the fact that the, the way they feel is actually how they feel and it's very real to them. Um, and so my suggestions would be, firstly, try and find like-minded people, try and find uh, people that would that like the same things they have. So they build, if you like, they build their own little community. Having friends, having people to talk to, having people to reach out to is really vitally important so that they're not sort of alone and they're not cut off from everybody else. So that would be the first thing. Um, the second thing would be to try and find something that they're good at and help them to achieve that because confidence which is what you mentioned earlier confidence is far more important than physical ability to fight um in the sense that if somebody has the confidence to face the world they 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 won't find themselves in those situations anywhere near as often Um, and so anything that's going to build confidence anything that's going to help that um, that young person to feel confident in themselves to become self-confident and and allow them to you know to greet the the world uh, with a confident manner so that they can you know deal with anything that comes along so th- those would be sort of my two main recommendations and and they're they're i wouldn't say easy fixes but they are things that you can quite easily accommodate in the sense that it's not hard um, to find something that your kid enjoys doing and encourage them with that yeah that's that's really good and, and like you said it's it's not a martial arts answer and and uh again if if you if you hadn't had the life you'd had, then uh, if you're just a martial arts instructor and someone asked you how do I deal with a bully, uh, you probably would have given a martial arts answer. But uh, having been there, done that, your answer is actually <laughs> a lot, a lot more, uh, a lot more evolved um, in terms of what's actually going to help. So uh, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's excellent. Uh, so uh, the second, the second question I had for you, just uh, in relation to a guy who's done a lot and uh, and continues to do a lot uh, how do you how do you go about disciplining yourself to to get the books written and to uh, uh, to, to get to get stuff done well that um, that's just prioritizing time and energy and 
uh, finances and everything else. I mean, it's basically just creating a, a pathway to the goal. So uh, literally what I tend to do is I, I think that's what I'd like to achieve. How am I going to make that happen? And again, it doesn't matter how stupid it is. This is something that I really want people to sort of uh, to take. If, if they're going to take anything, I'd like them to take this because um, every time I've done something, I've, I've been poo-pooed all the way, you know. So, you know, when I first started training, I'd have friends and family saying, oh, you'll never be a black belt. You'll never be any good at martial arts. Lo and behold, I became a multiple black belt in various disciplines. And then I'd have people saying, you'll never become a world champion. You know, you'll never be any good at martial arts. Boom. Actually, I, I hold multiple um, awards and that sort of thing and national championships and stuff. So I did that. And then it was like, hey, you're going to be rubbish as a bouncer. You're not be no good at that. What do you want to do that for? You know, and it turns out not only was I good at it. It, it paid for my life for many, many years, and I actually excelled at it, and uh, and then went on to teach other people how to do it well, and still do, um, and and so that just followed suit. So instead of listening to the naysayers, and instead of listening to people say you can't do that just because they couldn't do it, um, it I find it much more beneficial to say, well, this is the goal I want to reach, whatever that goal is. And, it, and as I said, it doesn't matter how stupid it seems to other people because that's not they're not relevant in this conversation. Um, it's a conversation you have with yourself, and you say, right, okay, I want to do this. So in this instance, it would be right in the book. OK, so instead of saying, you know, I want a book and sticking it on a vision board and pinging it on my wall and doing nothing towards that, because that's not going to get it achieved. What I actually did was said to myself, right, OK, that's what I want. How do I do it? Um, and so I forced myself to sit down and write 2000 words every day. OK, so six days out of seven, I would write 2000 words every day. It doesn't matter if it was rubbish. If it was rubbish, I just, you know, metaphorically screw it up, start again. Um, but I would write those 2000 words every day and I would make sure that I did that religiously. I would parcel off time, switch off the phone, switch off everything, yeah? And I would also then make sure that I was learning. So I would be, you know, YouTubing how to publish a book, how to write a book. I would be watching interviews with other authors. I would be trying to communicate with other authors, other people that have written, people that have done it. So instead of paying attention to the naysayers, I would actually be actively seeking out people that have already done it and then trying to blueprint what they do and follow that myself. So, um, so that, you know, that's that's kind of the thing is set yourself a goal, then work back as to how you're going to achieve it in bite sized chunks. But then also try and find people who have already done that goal and listen and learn from them and, and you know, and take uh, and take what you can from them. Because if somebody's done it once, it can be done again. Yeah, that's and that's great advice. And, uh, yeah, I've often found that it's very rarely someone who has done something that tells you you can't do it. Nearly always <laughs> right, yeah. you can't do something and people that they haven't done it themselves. Absolutely uh, I've right. Never met, I've never met someone who's written a book who will tell someone they can't write a book. So, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, if you if you want to know if you can do something, go ask someone who's already done it, and they'll, they'll give yeah. you some honest advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And just because, you know, it's very important for people, I think, to uh, to to have that sort of belief in themselves, um, especially if they don't come from a place where uh, other people are going to sort of give them that belief. And it's it's always really, really empowering to find people who have done that before you, you know, because there are many stories out there of of, of, of people saying, oh, I can't achieve this because I started there or I didn't have that or that didn't happen right for me or I've had a terrible start in life. You know, there's all these people that will say these things, but there's also a raft of people out there that go, I did this in spite of that. I did this um, even though I had a terrible start or even though I didn't have the finances or even though I didn't have the time. And, and those are the people to, you know, to connect with. Those are the people um, that you want to sort of get involved with, not the not the ones that say it can't be done. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. I think that's a, I think that's a good note to to leave the conversation on, Matt. That was a. Uh... It was, a, it was a nice conclusion with it. so it's a real real positivity to to take people away on which is it, i try to achieve in this this uh this podcast but because of the subject matter it doesn't always end in a positive fashion <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, no. who would have thought that two rough-headed bouncers would leave leave you on a motivational pitch it's uh that's nice but, uh, well, absolutely, absolutely. I think to be, to be honest, my friend, I think if you, um, you know, whatever adversity people go through, um, you know, learning from it is the crucial aspect, isn't it? Repeating the same mistakes again and again is just well stupidity for everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Matt, thank you very much for your time, mate. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, and hope we get to do it again in the near future. Uh, for for any listeners that want to know more about you, they want to purchase your books, or they. Uh, they might be local to you and are looking for training. Uh, where can I send them? 
Okay, well, the easiest place to go to is www.modernsamurai.online, and that will give you the, uh, the links to the bulk of my things, including books, online courses, stuff like that. Obviously, there's Facebook, LinkedIn, all that sort of thing. Instagram, you can connect me on all of those, and I would love to hear from you guys. Excellent. All right, mate. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you very much for the chat, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you once again to Matt State for that uh, that interview and taking the time to have a bit of a chat. Apologies for the connection issues. I uh, I know my end was dropping out quite a bit. Um, working to rectify that for future episodes. So thank you if you stuck through it. And uh, I hope you got all the value that Matt had to offer, uh, even if my end was a little bit shaky. Uh, I fully encourage you to check out Matt's books. Uh, his first book, Modern Samurai, A Revealing Look into the World of the Private Security Industry. Uh, and uh, his second book, which has just been released, My Journey Up the Mountain, The Road to Black Belt. Both are an excellent read. I uh, really encourage you to uh, jump on Amazon, all the normal booksellers, and uh, and grab yourself a copy. All right. Thanks very much to Matt. And uh, thank you very much for, for listening. I uh, hope you stick around for the next episode. It is a doozy. I'm not going to give too much away, but uh, have a look out for episode three as a guest returns. All the best. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Managing Violence podcast. For more information, to view previous episodes, or to read blogs, articles, and so much more, please check out my website at www.josaunders.com.au. It's www.josaunders.com.au. Thank you. Talk to you next time.